Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Azure Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Julie Nell with Effective or Comcast. Both of those things, correct, Julie? That's correct. All right, we'll get into why that is confusing for me. It's not confusing for anyone else, but uh, it's actually an entity that is one and the same. We'll talk about the difference between Effective and Comcast. But first, I want to hear a little bit about the wedding you have coming up in July 2022. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, really exciting. Uh, my oldest son, Alex, he is uh, just got engaged this past summer, and he's getting married on July 10th out in Boston. Met his lovely fiance out there, and um, my 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 brother moved out there. I'm going to say uh, about maybe 10, 15, 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago um, with BMW. He was out there with BMW. And so when Alex graduated from St. Francis, he decided he wanted to try something new. Okay. And my brother was out in Boston, and he was working at a car dealership at the time. My brother was a, a general manager for a car dealership out there and gave Alex a job. And um, so he went out there, and he's been out there ever since. Okay. So what are your impressions having been out there on that part of the world? I'm interested because that's where I grew up, and I'm always interested to hear what people think. But there's nothing you can say that will offend me if your impressions have not been good. <laughs> what, what What's your impressions of the Boston area? Actually, we love Boston. Mm-hmm. Since Alex has been out there, we've been out there, try to get out there at least once a year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I have three other kids who are... 14, 16, and 18, and we've traveled out there and love to do the Freedom Trail. Yep. And the history out there is amazing, so we do love that. Um, and we've been out to see, well, shopping, of course, is really good there, too. I love the area. I hate the traffic. Yeah. Traffic is absolutely— it's one of the reasons I moved, yeah. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I really want Alex and his fiance Ariana, to move back to maybe the Midwest is because of the cost of living. Oh, it's crazy. It's Crazy. nuts. You just named the two nuts. primary reasons. I Two of the primary reasons I moved. First job out of college, my commute was an hour and a half each way. It was car, train, subway, hour and a half each way every day. And you day. probably went five miles. It wasn't very long. And uh, the cost of living, I looked at housing and I was like, there's no way I can ever afford. So I moved here and it's been great. I love to visit, but you are in a great position that you can go there, visit someone, and then come back where... There is very little traffic and a much better cost of living. Oh, well, and I'm a huge fan of Fort Wayne. I'm born and raised here and love Fort Wayne. Love everything about it. Um, the young kids, Alex's age, you know, late 20s, they he loves the big city. He yeah. loves all the stuff about it. So I'm okay with him maybe one day moving back to the Indy or Chicago area, somewhere a little bit closer than a 14-hour drive. But Yeah, sure. But, sure. Uh, well, I think it's good for people. It's nothing against Fort Wayne. I think it's good for people to go somewhere different than where they grew up to experience it. You can always come back. And that's a pretty big difference, Fort Wayne to Boston, having having done that myself. There's some similarities, but it's definitely a different experience living in a city that large. Oh, it is for sure. And, and I did the same. So I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee for okay. three years All right. after college and worked in retail management um, down there. That was great. Um, I, I love that area as well. Yeah. So I, at, at one point I said, if I could pick up my whole family, parents yeah. and everybody and, and move anywhere, Knoxville was beautiful. Yeah. And the city was a size that, you know, was large enough, but small enough. And yeah. And great things to go in all directions, just like Fort Wayne is for me now. But yeah, well, I want to I want to pick up where you just left off because, as you know, in this podcast, we talk about a number of things, including the company you work for, and we'll sort out the effective Comcast thing. We talk about that, 
We'll also talk about some of the things you're working on that are exciting to you and exciting to the people who listen to this. But we always start with career path. So you grew up in Fort Wayne, and then you went to Purdue University, correct? Correct. So take us from maybe a little bit before then, when you were growing up, what were you thinking about career-wise, and how did that translate into reality as you moved ahead? Well, you're probably going to think I'm going back too far, but it really does all tie in that career pathwise started super young, fifth mm-hmm. grade. My my family owned um, a car dealership in Fort Wayne. So for people who know Fort Wayne and its history, Poinsett Motors was around for 82 years. Okay. And uh, so my, my father always instilled in us kids that we needed to work mm-hmm. and we needed to get some good job experience before we came, came to work at the dealership. Yep. So I had a paper route when I was five, mm-hmm. in fifth grade, and from there I worked restaurants, I worked retail, I worked part-time at the dealership, I did filing, I washed cars, I did all that kind of stuff. And I just knew from a very young age that one day I would be an owner of a car dealership. Okay. I would be third generation, okay. and I would be there. All right. So that's why I went to Purdue, got my... A degree from the Cranert School of Management mm-hmm. and thought, well, this is how I'm going to get some well-rounded education. Yep. I moved to Knoxville, worked in retail management, got some management experience there. And in 1994, I moved back to Fort Wayne full-time to work at the dealership and started what was then a the alternative finance is what we called it, okay. which is the subprime market now All right. for auto. And it was pretty early entry back then. And okay. there were about 20 different specific banks that I worked with to mm-hmm. try and market to people who had a difficult time buying cars. Yeah. So I started there and that was my first taste of marketing because mm-hmm. I got to work with our agency that we worked with at the time Yep. and did radio, TV, some print, different things from uh, the client perspective. Yep. And even before that time, working with my dad on... Um, Designing the front license plates. Oh, wow. The best you can get point set was okay. our, All right. our our motto. Yeah. And so we designed those, and those were on the fronts of cars. And even till still today, um, I people send me pictures of those huh. front license plates, or they'll see one driving down the road, and it's really kind of cool. But so um, was this a was this one location, multiple location dealerships? So at uh, we are the ones who built. The 1469 Auto Mall. Oh, really? Okay. So right. we were the first tenants there. It was okay. my dad and his and a couple other dealers, Mike Fitzgerald at the time with the Cadillac dealership. Okay. Um, so they built the Auto Mall. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, uh, prior to that, their dealership was on Clinton Street, which is now Headwaters Park. Ah, okay. All right. Okay. okay. So morphed into, so once the city bought that, we yep. moved to the Auto Mall. Mm. Okay. Uh, at one point, we had... Hmm. We, we always had Chrysler Plymouth. They started in 1916 with Maxwell's, but okay. uh, uh, they uh, and you had to you you could order the wheels separately. But that's a whole other story. Well, now, that's need, another podcast. You probably do need the wheels. <laughs> you, you need them, <laughs> well, but you couldn't yeah. get them from the same place. Yeah, you could order them from Sears. Okay, but uh, I digress. Okay. We've gone way so, back, way back. Path. Uh, yeah. Okay. So th- we had. Um, Chrysler Plymouth is what, and BMW is when I worked there is what we had. At one point, we had Mitsubishi, Volkswagen, Subaru. And then in 1998, um, the way the world worked, the dealership was sold. Wow. Okay. So So your whole trajectory up to that point is, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be my career. And then not so much. 
Uh, we make plans and God laughs. That's what I always say. <laughs> so did you see this coming or was it a shock when it happened? It was a shock. Wow. Okay. Shock. So what do you do then? So, yeah, what do I do? So I interviewed for a couple of positions with some of the dealers that we were selling to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that my heart just wasn't in it, to yeah. be honest with you. Sure. And in fact, the reason I sold cars and was in the car dealership, because that's what my family did. Mm-hmm. If we sold T-shirts, I would have sold T-shirts. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that sure. was me. My brother, my sister, not so much. They had other plans. My cousins didn't really, um, it wasn't their deal. Yep. But it was mine. It was mm-hmm. always mine. So um, it was a pretty big shock. But I did have some friends at the time who were in TV and radio. Mm-hmm. And since I'd had that experience kind of working on the other side yep. of it, I I had some interviews and got a few job offers and decided to go with Comcast at okay. the time. All right. And um, a lot of things, which I say, um, coincided, there's no such thing as coincidences, but um, the person who hired me ended up knowing his wife. And, hmm. and it was funny because back then, a lot of my friends and family and people that I knew would say, oh, this is a really good place for you to start. Mm-hmm. Just get your feet wet. This yeah. can be a good stepping stone for you to get into mm-hmm. some other company. And fast forward 23 years later, this is the career that I've loved and can't imagine being anywhere else right now. So you're either getting off to a really slow start <laughs> or this has been a good place for you to yeah, be. Yeah, if it's a stepping stone, it's a really big one. So what was your position? So this is 1998 when you first joined mm-hmm. Comcast. Yes. What's your position then and what does that look like at that time? So I started as an account executive. Yep. And it was TV. We had 12 networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could not buy specific programming. Mm. It was two different day parts, and it was either $2 or $5 or $10. Okay. And that's what it was. It was mm. pretty much um, – and I had uh, an account list that I inherited, but um, ended up growing that list, um, actually tripling it in the next two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And shortly uh, about three years into it, Comcast, the revenue line uh, for advertising with Comcast became big enough that they decided to um, spin off or or create Comcast advertising. Okay. So all the jackets that I had at that time then now said Comcast advertising. Mm -hmm. Then about five years later, it became Comcast Spotlight. Okay. So this... Comcast, they're all Comcast companies, Comcast Umbrella, but now it's got its own division. Okay. So the advertising is there. And then um, about four years ago, we became Effective. Okay. Which is a Comcast company. Mm-hmm. And we just, because of the way the industry has changed over the years, oh my gosh, all the things that have changed and, and the technology that we've kept up with and stayed in front of and moving to a digital era, it just needed to change with the way things um, changing in the industry. All right. Well, let's talk about the current state. When you describe this entity effective to people, what do you say? What do you say that the entity does and what's your role within that? Okay. So um, I was account executive for 16 years and yep. currently I'm a retail sales manager. Okay. And when I talk to people about what we do is we have video advertising solutions mm-hmm. for Small, medium, yep. regional-sized businesses. Yep. We do it direct and or through agencies such yep. as Asher. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a video solution. All screens, we utilize the technology to, f- we call, our pillars are um, find, target, report, improve. Okay. So we find, uh, 
build relationships, of course, first. Yep. That's the thing I love most about my job is building relationships mm-hmm. with business owners and decision makers. Yep. But so we find out um, what audience they need to be in front of. We target them with video advertising on all screens. We report back that we did what we said we were going to do. Mm-hmm. And then we prove that it accomplished the goals that we set out. Okay. All right. So what are some of the challenges? How has your company responded to the changes overall in the media market? I mean, in the time that you and I have been in this career broadly, things have changed a lot. So how has your company and how have you adapted to all that? Well, that's what keeps it exciting. Yeah. Um, It's it's not for the faint of heart. I tell people that I interview um, for jobs because it is always changing. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. So Comcast, because we are the largest cable provider in the U.S., in fact, the world, the largest cable provider in the world, and one of the top Internet providers in the U.S., Mm -hmm. we have uh, we're in 66 markets. We're in 18 of the top 25, which is awesome because scale wise, we've got teams and resources behind us in the market of Fort Wayne, which I think is maybe 108 now, um, that we can use the same technology and information Hmm. research that's used in the top markets in the country right here in Fort Wayne okay. for our advertisers. Okay. So we, if the technology is out there or it needs to be created, Comcast invests a ton in research. Um, it, we have uh, now a partnership. We own uh, Freewheel, which mm. is a digital company that has, um, has really a great reputation in the market for um, technology, information, um, and delivery okay. and relationships. So the company itself has really supported us all through the changes, and I feel like um, we've really been on more of that cutting edge. So where it used to be, you bought spots. Yep. Now we're moving towards buying impressions. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a we have a relationship with Nielsen. Yep. Um, but things are still changing. Mm-hmm. Things are still changing. So yep. now it's not about delivering to a household; it's about delivering to a person. Yeah. It's, well, and that person, you know, most people today, at least I would assume, they don't really think as much about how they're going to watch something as what they're going to watch. You know, I have, you know, this this show that I like. Sometimes I'm watching on my phone, sometimes on my tablet, sometimes on a traditional TV screen. Is that true to what you're hearing in the industry? And if so, how are you responding to that? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, so some of the statistics that have changed most recently – uh, is viewership on the big screen was always king. Mm-hmm. And for time spent, um, depending on the demographic, obviously, you're going after. But in that younger generation, the 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 big screen TV is not necessarily where they're watching. They're yeah. watching on all the other screens. Yeah. So that's the other way that our company, we've the, with that power of digital, uh, our company can, can deliver the same kind of results with TV but in dig- the digital world as well. Yeah. So because we have all of these subscribers, you know, um, 30 million subscribers, we have this two-way communication with the set-top box. Mm-hmm. So we use our first-party data is what we have that's the advantage that Comcast has over our competitors because we can um, – it's that first party. Mm-hmm. It's reliable. It's mm-hmm. the most reliable. Yeah. And because we have these partnerships with, on average, in our markets, it's about um, between 40 and 50 networks. Mm-hmm. So we've got opportunity to find out where people are watching. Like you said, depending on if you want to watch Animal Planet or History Channel on a tablet, a phone, yep. wherever. Yeah. 
it's no longer about what device we're sending it on. It's just where they're watching. Got it. So are there any myths or misconceptions about the world you live in, something that you think is is misunderstood that you'd like to clear up? In other words, people think this about your industry, but the reality is very different. Well, for Comcast specifically, people believe we're a cable company. Mm-hmm. And so the hardest part for people in our industry or consumers or customers client base to understand is that it's not about subscribers. Mm -hmm. We have that subscriber base that helps us get great information, Mm -hmm. but we can deliver to anybody. Okay. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing that people think, Oh, it's just cable. It's just cable. But in all honesty, uh, cable viewers, cable viewership and the networks, we call it cable viewership, but it's really not through a cable anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the networks versus a broadcast, for example, um, the the breadth of of um, time spent mm-hmm. is so vastly more because people want to have options. Yeah. Where it used to be, people would say, "Oh, I don't want to go with you. You're too fragmented." Mm-hmm. And we would say, "That's what we do really well." Well, now that all industries in uh, or all mediums within our industry are fragmented, yeah, for sure. That we've always been king there, mm-hmm. and now it's even. More awesome because we use that first-party data, the third-party blue-chip data. We find those audiences wherever they're watching, however they're watching, and we can deliver a message. Yeah. You know, one of the things that that I believe to be true, and and you could certainly poke a lot of holes in this, but I believe that there is no one place you can go to get even most people today. It's too fragmented. So it is all about targeting. It's all about knowing your consumer and making sure that – You've conceded there are, there are people we're going to miss, but our best bet is to focus on this customer, this prospect. And today, the great thing is you can find them and you can deliver content that's highly relevant to them because it's not all things to all people. Is that consistent with what you're saying, consistent with your experience? Yes. And when you're done here, if you need a job, I can I know where you can have one. <laughs> well, I, I'm surprised every day when I leave my desk that I don't need a job, but I'll keep that in mind for sure. So, Julie, what are some of the big things you're working on? Some of the things that are taking up a lot of your headspace, that are keeping you up at night, that are making you excited, and maybe a combination of all those things? Well, especially as we're moving into another year, um, there's always exciting things happening. Mm-hmm. There's always new clients that we're in front of, but some of the things specifically that we're able to do as a company is um, a product line. It's it's what we call internally 360, mm-hmm. but it's kind of soup to nuts for everything that they need to, that a client needs to have for their message to get out there. So we know the internet now is is a place that people need to be mm-hmm. where it used to be should i get a website now it's how much should i spend on my website yeah. you know how yeah. developed does it need to be yeah and so we have now resources and partners within our group that can help people if they need that um, website development if they need the search engine optimization if they need um, help with social media and blogging and, um, you know, getting the reputation management. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of of what we can do now that is much more encompassing. And we have okay. a few clients that that works well for. The nice thing and, and the thing that does keep it really exciting is that we've got something for pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. 
So we have great relationships with our agencies yep. who do that for their clients. Yep. If somebody is maybe not, doesn't need quite that much, but needs some help, we're there all the way. If somebody's direct and really has another company that takes care of other things, we can step in for whatever their needs are. And so having that opportunity with our, we have a, our production company is called Mnemonic. Okay. And so that's a, a resource that we have, all these resources to fill gaps that clients may need at all different levels. So that's really exciting to me, knowing that um, my whole team here in Fort Wayne has these amazing resources that, that we can have for whatever a client needs for, to get their message out to grow their business. And you also are involved in a couple of volunteer endeavors, correct? To switch gears for yep. just a second, don't want to miss that aspect of your professional life. What boards or committees are you on and, and why are those important to you? Well, I've been on several um, for the past 20 years or so, and it's really important to me and um, to be involved in things that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I, I got um, uh, the most relevant ones in, in my past have been um, serving first on the Red Cross board mm -hmm. when we had blood services here locally. It was yep. an amazing opportunity to network and, and be a part of helping people with not only blood services, but disaster relief. And that was great. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about 10 years. And then um, most recently, I've been involved with the National MS Society. Mm -hmm being on a steering committee there for helping to raise funds for people locally for programs who have MS. My mom has MS. Okay. So that um, was really what sparked that. And we had a um, annual event here to help raise funds for that and awareness and work on the, the bike-a-thon and the walk-a-thon and all the things. And that was great. And now I spend um, most of my time on the board at Cancer Services of Northeast mm. Indiana. Okay. And I've been a volunteer there since my dad, who passed 20 years ago with cancer. Mm -hmm. I lost my sister uh, four years ago to cancer. Mm -hmm. So when my dad passed, it was sort of a it was a great opportunity. This is just another really neat thing about my job, mm -hmm. because at the time I was working with Karen Tejero, who was in charge of the her and her father. Her father had passed um, to can, uh, cancer, and she, she was my client. And she chose to work with um, a nonprofit, and it was Cancer Services. Hmm. So that's how my relationship with Cancer Services started, through my client who hmm. wanted to partner with a, a nonprofit. Okay. So I started volunteering there and um, really thought the world of the agency still do. And now I've been on the board for the last nine years there watching them help thousands and thousands of people in our community um, who are dealing with the effects of cancer. Yeah, and you have a real personal connection to those organizations, Absolutely. which is, you know, makes it, I'm sure, uh, fulfilling in a lot of different ways. Yeah, between cancer services and then, of course, um, several things through uh, my faith life. But um, another thing that I do with my husband is Worldwide Marriage Encounter. Hmm. And that's a really neat experience that we have for married couples, because today the pressures of society on marriages and tries and raise a family and yeah. or not, and um, how that all works to keep couples together. And we believe that, you know, it's a, it's a real... Um, it's a real big issue in the cornerstones of our society just to make sure that married people can stay together. Yeah, we collectively need all the help we can get with that issue. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say about thing. that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pivot to the speed round of the program where we talk about some of the things we've already discussed, but in a more concise way. So first question has to do with career path. You have had a 
real curveball thrown at you in your career, but you've picked up from that and built something very successful over the past 20 plus years. What's your best career advice? If one of your kids were to ask you during one of those times when they actually listen to you, if one of your kids were to ask you or someone who you know had an unexpected change in careers, what do you think is most important for people to understand about building a successful, for fulfilling career? Well, first I would say that there's always opportunity. Mm-hmm. That uh, sometimes it feels like you failed at something yeah. and something didn't go the way you'd expected, but... Um, there's so many opportunities out there to do whatever you want to do, and I feel really strongly to be passionate about it because knowing that that change it was thrown at me at that time, and um, and you know, I, I had had said before that you know if if it was a family business, and mm-hmm. I just knew that I would be in it, but I don't know that I loved it. Mm-hmm. I just knew that was my that was going to be my role. Mm-hmm. That's just where I was going to be. So. To be honest, even though I was crushed to, when that happened, having the door open for Comcast or um, in the you know advertising industry for me was this huge blessing that I had no idea would turn into what it turned into. Mm-hmm. So I would just really say to people, first of all, be passionate about the things that you do because you have to be happy at the end of the day. Yeah. And you spend so much time working in a place to help you do the things that you want to do when you're not working. Mm-hmm. And if you can't enjoy the things when you're not working, then it's 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 not worth it. Yeah, why are you doing what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. All right, good advice. Second question, your organization, if you could sum it up succinctly, if somebody stopped you on the street and said, I have 30 seconds, I have 60 seconds, tell me about your organization, what would you say? Um, as our organization, we deliver results for businesses using video advertising. Wow, that was great. That was even shorter than 30 seconds. I think that's the most concise answer we've had to that question. All right, third question. This one may be more of a challenge, or maybe not. Maybe you'll surprise me. So we have framed this question with other guests as, you know, we're coming hopefully out of a pandemic. It changed everyone's lives. But I want to talk more broadly about the marketing environment as a whole and all the things that have changed. And you can pivot towards... COVID or away from COVID if you want. But what's something you've learned through all the changes that we've been through in the industry or the changes we've been through in the last couple of years? Something that maybe you didn't know before that you've learned that changed your perception. You think it's going to stick with you moving forward? Well, I think the disruptor of COVID um, that it was, that it is, um, really had a silver lining or has a silver lining for my particular role. One is that I now have employees who don't have to live in Fort Wayne mm-hmm. to do the job that they do. Yep. And that's awesome. Um, I think that that will be the case going forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's real. Like Teams is a, is, or if you use Zoom or whatever you use, that video conferencing, if you will, is here to stay. Yep. And it's really helped us as sellers be. Mm-hmm more adaptive mm-hmm. and really know that we can do it in different mediums, just like the advertising has changed for our customers. Mm-hmm. So has the ways that we can communicate with our clients. Yeah, um, And I think that we're always going to go forward having a hybrid kind of sales team, mm-hmm. which I think will work to benefit people in their work-life balance kind of thing. Yeah, And um, I'm appreciative of that. I think that's going to be a good thing moving forward that we've tried to find the really positive things that we can pull out of 
uh, change. I mean, that's the one thing that's constant, right? Yeah. It's change, no well, matter what. And it goes back to what you said about careers, is that there's opportunity anywhere you really look for it. And when you're thrown these curveballs, whether it's my family business has been sold, I got to do something different, or wait a minute, there's a pandemic, I can't go visit clients face-to-face, you can look at that as terminal, or you can say, I just need to do something different, and maybe if I get ahead of the curve, that's actually better. That's what it sounds like is the through line in everything you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stay positive. All right. Life is good. Well, on that note, Julie, thank you so much. This was fun. It was great to learn some things about you that I didn't already know. So I appreciate your time, and I appreciate everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We will be back next week with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then. Thanks so much.